Blog Talk Radio. And welcome to the balance. My name is Tom Marquis El Presidente on loan from God. For the next two hours, I will guide you through this crazy world of sports, and it's a crazy world that we're in right now. It's gonna be a kind of a little bit of a different flair. We're not gonna, you know, totally deviate from uh sports, but we, we're got you know, we, there's just so much going on that maybe it's time that we just take a few steps back and, and, and address uh, some of the things that are going on. And, and we certainly can't get to the how or to the why, but, you know, maybe we can just discuss it. And I think that's what we're going to try to do is, uh, is spend a little time today uh, talking about some things that are going on in this world and the crazy things that are causing some of this. And, and, and I, I'm in Indianapolis here at, at high atop our balance studios in the west suburbs of Indianapolis. And, um, you know, we're seeing the craziness here. And, and we, we saw a, uh, a former IU player and media and business uh, uh, personality uh, killed uh, over the, the last week over all of this stuff that's going on. So we're going to have some conversation about that. I think it's time to do that and and uh we're going to talk about here in the in the first half hour about drew Brees, uh and um you know i we're going to get into that conversation but uh, i will save my thoughts till then uh but uh, mo from the bs sports show uh will be joining us also we're going to be talking about this and then uh, of course indycar is back on the track let's give it up yeah, no fans, I know, but hey, let's get excited about something. IndyCar tonight in Texas, and um, uh, Matthew Embry, our official IndyCar contributor, is going to be joining us, talking about that, and also NASCAR, and uh, certainly some news from NASCAR that came out this week uh, with surrounding July 4th uh, Brickyard here in Indianapolis. No fans, so which means I don't get to go to Florida Georgia Line. That is where I draw the line, no pun intended, and then at the end of the show, Chris Ballard, uh, general manager for the Indianapolis Colts, had a press conference this week, and maybe you saw it, maybe not. It's on, on the Colts.com, uh, and, uh, but we're going to share that, and uh, we'll talk about that a little bit, uh, and we're going to share that in its entirety. You know, Frank Ballard just, I mean, I, I said that again. Chris Ballard uh, is... Um, the general manager and uh, president of operations at the Colts, you know, just basically gave an unfiltered uh, uh, feeling of the way he thought about what's going on. So we're going to get into all of that uh, right here on the Balance Radio Network, 917-889-8516. Certainly, if you want to join the conversation today, you're more, you're, you're more than welcome. 917-889-8516. We'll be right back. Tonight. 
National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. I've been playing four on four with a barbershop quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it, Geico could save you fifteen percent or more on car insurance. Unbelievable. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mace. Ow, that went in my eyes. Quit moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA, love your home. Welcome back to The Balance. My name is Tom Marquisel, Presidente, 917-889-8516 is our digits. Time to kick things off, and helping us do that is Mo from the BS Sports Show. Mo, how are you, sir? I am here. <laughs> we are all still here. Uh, Mo, I appreciate you joining us today. And You know, we're going to have kind of a different uh, flair for the show today, uh, and maybe you heard during the opening opening dialogue. Um, there's just been so much that's going on. I think it's time to take some time to just uh, backstep a little bit and in, 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 in digress. And so, you know, we saw a lot of this happen last weekend here in Indianapolis. It finally hit home here with the, uh, with the protest. And you know, here's, you know, okay, we, it's opinions. We've all got them. Here's my thing. I am I am a First Amendment all the way, Second Amendment all the way. I'm all about it, okay? Totally 100% support. If you want to walk around downtown and hold signs up and, and do chants, and that's completely fine by me, completely fine by me. 
But when you start picking up rocks and you start uh, burning things down, you start doing destruction, and, and the malls are start closing, you're no longer protesting. You're now becoming terrorism, and that's and it is what it is. Believe me, trust me. I've I've watched this this um, George Floyd video. It's very disturbing to watch, and it's unfortunate that it happened. And I am by no means thinking that that we should not stand up and say this should never happen again because it shouldn't. The unfortunate thing is that it will at some point. It will, and with it because it's happened in the past. And um, I don't know that we, we of course we, we remember back to the L.A. riots, but I don't remember that ever seeing it get quite to the point that it's gotten now. Usually, it's, it's things have calmed down a little bit by now. Here's here's my my other thing. Protest all you want. It is completely well within your right as an American, and, and that's what our, 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 our veterans fight for, and that's what our flag stands for is that you have the right to be a free American. What you don't have the right to do is to go and destroy property, to go and, and um, use this as a platform for looting. Uh, you know, and, and here recently, and you know, I have had an I had an opportunity to meet him briefly, uh, Chris Bet- Betty uh, here in Indianapolis a little bit. I don't, didn't know him by any means personal, or what I would say that we were friends. We certainly I had certainly met him and talked with him before, and you know, we he got shot and killed this past weekend here in Indianapolis because of all of these disturbances uh, during all these disturbances, and of course. Uh, Miami Dolphins coach Brian Flores had a, a real emotional uh, attachment to that, and, and we just saw. Uh, and of course, the Indianapolis media knows him very well, and of course, he was a business person, the next uh, uh, IU football uh, standout. Um, this has gone too far, and so I want to get your thoughts on it, and then we're going to talk about this about Drew Brees, and uh, after I get your thoughts, but I've got a soundbite about the Drew Brees thing. That I just feel is very fitting. And then at the end of the show, Chris Ballard, we're going to run a, in full the press conference that he had this week. And I don't know if you had a chance to hear it, but it'll be on at the end of the show here. Uh, we'll close out with that. Uh, but uh, it, it, it's we're going to hear that entire press conference. It's it's uh, totally talking about the social injustice and, and how maybe we should look at things a little bit a little bit differently. And uh, so, Mo, go ahead. Let me uh, get your thoughts on on everything that's going on in the environment in the world that we're in right now. Well, I mean, you know, obviously the the video is disturbing. It shouldn't have happened. But you know, it, I, I don't like the <clears throat> the idea of all police officers being blamed. You know, there are bad police officers, just like there are some bad doctors and some bad lawyers and some bad Walmart employees and some. Bad radio hosts, you know. There's, mm-hmm. there's bad people in the profession. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I, I don't like people being painted with a broad brush when it comes to something like this. You know, I can't even pretend to to know what African American people have been through uh, when it comes to to racial profiling. Uh, you know, so it's it's hard to speak on it from that point. But here's the thing, you know, I was one of the few. I, I think if you remember. I never had an issue with Colin Kaepernick's protest. I didn't have an issue with him doing it during the national anthem. But the thing with that and the thing that happens when you're protesting and then it becomes looting and violence, the message gets lost. 
And I think that was the biggest problem that happened with Colin Kaepernick. People started focusing on the fact they thought he was disrespecting the flag of the national anthem. And, and the idea of his protest, what it stood for, got lost. And, and by the end, the message was completely lost because everything came about, uh, you know, disrespecting the flag of the national anthem. And, and the idea of what he was doing was protesting was lost. Same thing. Uh, you know, with the with the protesting going on now, when it gets to violence and looting, the message of what you're out there standing up against gets lost. You know, and I I'm, I just think that uh, you know there are right ways to go about getting your voice heard. And and let's be honest, Tom. You know, it, people who think that this is going to change overnight or change in a month or change in a year is not going to be true. I mean, how long? were folks enslaved way back when, you know what I mean? It's not something that's going to change overnight. And I think opening dialogue with police officers, with city officials, with, uh, you know, citizens, uh, that's probably the place to start, you know? And, and I just, I know there's a change that needs to be had, but I don't know the answers to get there, but, but destroying other people's stuff is not the, is not the way to go. Um, and and let's be honest, we have to understand that the change isn't going to happen tomorrow. This is going to be a long process, and and unfortunately for you know a lot of African Americans, they've been fighting this for a long time. The, the biggest thing again is let's let's not get the message lost when people then tend to focus on the other things. Yeah, absolutely, and that's very well, well, very well said. And and, and that is the, the the thing is the message gets lost. So, so really, right now, what are people watching? We're watching property being destroyed. We're watching lives uh, being taken. But but does that bring back George Floyd? No. Here's the thing: the the perpetrators in this event, all three of them, have been arrested and charged with murder. And they are in jail. Let justice do its job. And so I thought I, – I, I actually kind of was applauding. I mean you can stand on whatever side that you want to stand on uh, with the kneeling thing, but I think that, that Drew Brees was just trying to say basically a lot of the things you just said, uh, Mo, is that let's not get the message lost. And when we, um, when we have um, uh, – the kneeling and, and all of that, I, I think that it just I, I applauded him for because he does stand with his my grandfather, uh, both of my grandfathers uh, fought in, in World War Two. I had an uncle in, in Vietnam. I had my son is was ha, has recently been in recent conflicts. I was in the military. I understand the flag and what it means, and I, I don't think that they should use that time to protest that's just my opinion and drew Brees can have his opinion just like other people can have his opinion but but he was he was forced into an apology let's kind of i i i got this uh, soundbite from uh, espn thank you espn um total credit for you on this but this is a really good soundbite the talking about the reaction to um drew Brees and his his comments about kneeling, and then uh, also talking about his apology. So we'll, we'll talk on the other end of this. Drew Brees gave a lengthy response later to our Mike Triplett saying, quote, I love and respect my teammates, and I stand right there with them in regards to fighting for racial equality and justice. I also stand with my grandfathers who risked their lives for this country and countless other military men and women who do it on a daily basis. 
Breeze's teammate, Malcolm Jenkins, had a very strong reaction to those comments. This was from an Instagram post, which he subsequently deleted. Our communities are under siege, and we need help. And what you're telling us is, don't ask for help that way. Ask for a different way. I can't listen to it when you ask that way. We're done asking, Drew. And people who, who share your sentiments, who express those, and push them throughout the world, the airways, are the problem. And it's unfortunate because I considered you a friend. I looked up to you. You're somebody who I had a great deal of respect for. But sometimes you should shut the f*** up. Malcolm Jenkins was not done there. Again, that was a post he subsequently deleted, but he did then post another emotional video on Instagram, once again calling out Drew Brees. Drew, unfortunately, unfortunately, you're somebody who doesn't understand their privilege. You don't understand the potential that you have to actually be an advocate for the people that you call brothers. You don't understand the history and why people like me, people with my skin color, whose grandfather fought for this country, who served, and I still protested against that, against the, not against the national anthem, but against what was happening in America and what our, the fabric of this country is for, or stands for. If you don't understand that other people experience something totally different than you, Then when you talk about being the brotherhood and all this other bullshit, it's just lip service or it's only on the field. Because when we step off of this field and I take my helmet off and I'm a black man walking around America and I'm telling you I'm dealing with these things, I'm telling you my communities are dealing with these things, and your response to me is, don't talk about that here. This is not the place. Where is the place, Drew? Michael Thomas, another of Breeze's teammates, also responded yesterday, tweeting seemingly in response, quote, he don't know no better, and then tweeting subsequently, we don't care if you don't agree, and whoever else, how about that? Now, bear with me a moment here, because Drew Breeze has just in the last five minutes posted a lengthy apology on Instagram. I'm going to do my best. I'm reading it off of my phone, as this literally just came, so I'm going to read it to you now. This is from Drew Breeze. I would like to apologize to my friends teammates, the city of New Orleans, the black community, the NFL community, and anyone I hurt with my comments yesterday in speaking with some of you, it breaks my heart to know the pain I have caused. In an attempt to talk about respect, unity, and solidarity centered around the American flag and the national anthem, I made comments that were insensitive and completely missed the mark on the issues we are facing right now as a country. They lacked awareness and any type of compassion or empathy. Instead, those words have become divisive and hurtful and have misled people into believing that somehow I am an enemy. This could not be further from the truth, and it is not an accurate reflection of my heart or my character. This is where I stand. I stand with the black community in the fight against systemic racial injustice and police brutality and support the creation of real policy change that will make a difference. I condemn the years of oppression that have taken place throughout our black communities and still exists today. I acknowledge that we as Americans, including myself, have not done enough to fight for that equality or to truly understand the struggles and plight of the black community. I recognize they am part of the solution and can be a leader for the black community in this movement. 
I will never know what it's like to be a black man or raise black children in America, but I will work every day to put myself in those shoes and fight for what is right. I have always been an ally, never an enemy. I am sick about the way my comments were perceived yesterday, but I take full responsibility and accountability. I recognize that I should do less talking and more listening. And when the black community is talking about their pain, we all need to listen. For that, I am very sorry, and I ask your forgiveness. That was from Drew Brees on my phone. It says it was posted eight minutes ago. Um, so now I have Mike Triplett ready to go. He is our Saints reporter. And uh, Mike, I imagine this is the first you're hearing of that. So I guess I would first ask your reaction to Drew Brees and that apology on Instagram. Thanks, Mike. It sounds uh, like he has heard the comments that, that were addressed to him from teammates and, and a lot of people in this country alike and, and acknowledge those. Um, you know, this is going to be a very difficult and important question now for the Saints if they can heal this. Uh, he, you know, we know he did reach out to Malcolm Jenkins individually yesterday. Imagine he also reached out to some other teammates individually. They were actually scheduled to have a virtual team meeting already today. No doubt this topic will come up at you know, that apology probably helps, but it's going to take a lot more than that to heal this issue. It's going to take actions uh, that, that prove he means it uh, because teammates expressed anger. Teammates expressed hurt. You saw it in that Malcolm Jenkins video. So passionate tears in his eyes. When he talked about how much respect he had for Drew Brees, and respect is a key word here because he's not just a teammate. He is a leader of this team. They held him in a certain reverence. They were inspired by him, and it is going to take a lot for him to earn that back from them, if he if he will, from all you know, 60 plus guys in that locker room. Again, everything feels a little different after what I just read. But what can you tell us about the conversation you had with Breeze yesterday? You know, I texted back and forth with, with uh, Breeze early in the afternoon yesterday, before all of the fallout ha had really hit. And I think what was important to him at that time was still trying to maybe uh, um, create a distinction between his stance on the anthem and his, you know, support for his teammates and so many people in this country right now for the issues they're talking about, which he said he has always supported. He said it again in this statement and that his actions have always been toward equality for all people. But I think what he has obviously learned from that statement till now is that he can't draw a distinction between the anthem and between, you know, his feelings toward unity, and, and he needs to recognize that, obviously. That's uh, ESPN's coverage of uh, Drew Brees and his reaction. So i got to say that I'm a little disappointed on the back paddle, pedal on the apology, with the apology. I, you know, I, I feel like that he could have said, you know, that maybe, maybe his things were taken out of context, Sure, certainly he wasn't saying uh, by kneeling for the flag, not kneeling for the flag, that that you support a black uh, a black guy being killed by uh, a a cop that that should be in jail and is in jail. I don't think that that I never took that from his original uh, uh, thing. So, Mo, what what are your thoughts on this? I, I feel like that 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 Drew has come to. PC pressure in this particular issue, and I, I'm really disappointed that he backpedaled his his apology, his his uh, response to the kneeling. He he was just using this as an opportunity. Let's not get back into the kneeling of the flag. This is not a, a flag. I think it was more of a patriotic statement than it was 
saying I, I never once took it that he was saying that he was in support of of the cops. I mean, <clears throat> for all intents and purposes, Drew Brees is a good guy. You know, very few people have done more for the city of New Orleans uh, than Drew Brees. But very true. I mean, you know, Drew's got to read the room. This isn't the time to to bring that up. I think at this point, you know what I mean? Like. You, you've got to read the room that you're in and it, it, the climate and the things that were going on at this time in America, bringing up the Colin Kaepernick kneeling for the flag protest. It probably wasn't the best idea for Drew Brees. You know what I mean? It, it's mm-hmm. like, for the love of God, Drew, read the room. And, uh, you know, Shaquille O'Neal was on, on the NBA on TNT Thursday night. Shaquille O'Neal was scheduled to talk to the team uh, Thursday morning. Uh, was invited by Coach Sean Payton, you know, has deep Louisiana roots and and uh, was on the conference call for Drew Brees' apology to his team, uh, which was done in private. And, uh, you know, Shaq said that the apology was very heartfelt, uh, that, you know, 99% of his teammates had forgiven Drew. Um, but, you know, I, I can't for one second begin to understand the plight of an African-American. And and I, I don't know that Drew Brees can either, but, at some point, you know, read the room. Roger Goodell and the NFL come out with a statement last night saying oh, that they mishandled the uh, the kneeling thing. I mean, it, that just made him look like a huge dick. You know, I mean, obviously that was a huge deal a couple of years ago, but at this point in time to try to, to make a PR move, and, and that's what I think gets lost. You know, it's, uh, you know, so, uh, some people obviously in some corporations and, and some some folks are, are saying that, you know, are using this as, as a PR move to boost their, their profile or their business. Uh, you know, I don't believe everybody who's come out and said that that they support this or that actually believes it. Uh, so I think there's a lot of disingenuous, disingenuous people saying things uh, to support people now, too. It's just if you, if you, if you really honestly do care about what's going on and, and you support those folks, then learn about it. I don't, it doesn't mean you have to go out and protest, but but really learn about uh, about something. Not just say something to to jump on the bandwagon or or you know try <clears throat> to boost your profile. Now, be a part of the solution, not a part of the problem. I don't think Drew Brees meant any disrespect to any African Americans uh, when he, when he said what he said originally. But uh, for the love of God, Drew, read the room, man. Not the time. Not the time to address. If you want to address the kneeling for the flag and, and what you believe. Address them private with your teammates how that affects you, but but read what's going on right now. Uh, again, I from day one never had a problem with Colin Kaepernick kneeling during it uh, because that's what this country was built on, freedom of speech. Uh, I don't think he meant disrespect to the military or to the flag by doing it. I think he took that as the most opportune time for it to be noticed for what he stood for. Uh, Colin Kaepernick went about it the wrong way. At times, so like I said, I believe his message got lost in the end, and I, I don't think he remembered it by the end what he was fighting for because things got so hairy. Um, I don't believe that. Uh, I believe we'll probably see a lot more kneeling this year. Uh, now, I really think that's probably going to be a deal. But again, figure out a way to make it so the message isn't lost. That's that's the whole thing I keep coming back to. Uh, you know, if you're going to stand up for something, find a way to do it to where you can be heard. And your message isn't lost. And uh, for change to come about, it's going to take more than just uh, than the African American. It's going to take uh, whites and Asians and you know whoever else. It's going to take everybody coming together for a common thing. And again, we have to remember that not all cops are bad. 
not there's there's bad people in every every occupation in this country. There are bad apples in every one of them. You know, my my stepfather was a, a state police trooper for 35 years. He wasn't one of the bad ones. And and you know, he told me as we talked the other day that no nothing pisses a cop off more than a bad cop because that makes them all look bad. And so, uh, you know, how how can we come together? Seeing some of these uh, things of unity in Indianapolis. With the uh, the cops marching with the protesters the other day in front of the governor's mansion, great start. Uh, here in Fort Wayne, they had uh, the mayor and the cops. They did a, a march together with protesters. Let's figure out productive ways to get the message heard and try to come up with a a realistic uh, uh, path for change. Absolutely, and I'm a First Amendment a- uh, absolutist. I mean, just. By all means, First Amendment, Second Amendment, <laughs> I'm, all, I'm, all, I'm all about it. Uh, but when you start destroying property, you start killing people, as we as we saw here in Indianapolis, and a very prominent uh, person uh, to be killed. Uh, it, it doesn't matter if he was prominent or not prominent, but uh, to, to to see uh, that death and to see the destruction, and then to see you know the destruction down in in, in Nashville this past uh, week, where they they basically went in with crowbars and broke in and, and began to uh, catch the plates on fire. You are no longer protesters. You're terrorists at that point. Mo from the BS Sports Show, thank you so much for joining us. I know uh, we, we're uh, doing a little bit of a different type of show today, but I appreciate your insight and, and uh, value your opinion, sir. Hey, hey, no problem. Don't forget, in, uh, in a, a month from now, the NBA is back, so we have something fun to right. this week. At Disney World. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, yes. NBA is back, and we'll get into that next week. Mo, you have yourself a good week. You too, Tom. Thanks. All right, buddy. Mo from the BS Sports Show joins us, and you know we uh, listened to that ESPN clip uh, about the apology of, of Drew Brees, and and you know was it enough? Was it not enough? And and about the, the reactions about the the Malcolm J- Jenkins, and we're gonna just kind of c- continue on with this thing. But coming up next is Mo. I mean, <laughs> thanks Mo from the BS Sports Show. Coming up next is Matthew Embry, WSPT up in South Bend. Uh, IndyCar is back on the track tonight in Texas. Yeah, no fans, and that's a big track, and that's gonna look kind of weird. But hey, we've got we've got IndyCar racing, and then uh, Matthew's also gonna stick around and help us talk about uh, some NASCAR as uh, Steve Wilson couldn't join us uh, today. And then at the end of the show, we're gonna play a uh, uh, totally unedited, uh, unredacted. Um, News conference uh, from uh, Chris Ballard, uh, the uh, pre- uh, the vice president. I mean, the president of operations and uh, general manager of the Indianapolis Colts, and his reaction to the recent events uh, that have been going on. So, just think that you know, it's it's time maybe that that uh, we we take some uh, take some time to kind of kind of break that that down. Uh, and just, just, you know, maybe start having some discussions. We obviously aren't going to be able to find the how or the why, but maybe just start having some uh, discussions because, you know, really here in Indianapolis, uh, and it's happening in cities all across the, the nation. And, 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 and again, I, I just say this, is that by no means were those cops 
justified in what they did, and they are in jail. Let justice do its job, and if you want to walk around and protest, that's fine. But when you start destroying property and you start uh, killing people, you're no longer pro, uh, pro, uh, you're no longer protesting. My name is Tom Marcos El Presidente, 917-889-8516. We'll be back with Matthew Embry right here on the Balance Radio Network. National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. Okay, okay. I can't believe it. I've been playing 4 on 4 with a barbershop quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it, Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Morning face. You get is when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA. Love your home.
Welcome back to The Balance. My name is Sal Marquisel, Presidente. Thank you to Mo from the BS Sports Show uh, and, and uh, getting into some dialogue with us. It's a, a little bit of a different uh, uh, theme, I guess, if you will, but not really because kind of talking about – we were talking about Drew Brees and, and just talking about the protests and things that have been happening in our cities across the United States and how it's just affecting the world. It's Sometimes maybe we just got to take a little step back and, and, and have some dialogue with during this now because IndyCar is back on the track tonight in Texas. Can we get an amen? Matthew Embry, WSBT in South Bend, our official IndyCar contributor. How are you, Matt? Well, it's been a long way, but we're finally back into it, and uh, it should be a very interesting race tonight, that's for sure. And obviously, you know, a lot of different storylines coming in, and uh, we'll go over those certainly here in the next several minutes. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, just, just to kind of keep on theme here, I didn't need a big, long dialogue from it, from you, but just your thoughts on the sports community, racing community, and our communities that, 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 that we're, that we're dealing with now. And, and I, I know you're up in South Bend, perhaps you've, you've seen some of the same, uh, things that we've seen here in Indianapolis. Uh, but the death of Chris Beatty, uh, last weekend here in Indianapolis, the destruction of property, it's just kind of gotten a little bit crazy. Well, I can understand why it's happening, though. We just have a mess in our country right now from two individual, well, multiple individuals that believe they are above the law. And unfortunately, I think people are starting to say enough's enough. Now, granted, I don't approve of the looting and stuff like that, but I understand where they're coming from, that they're saying, hey, you know, it's every person has the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And right now, I see multiple signs where that is definitely not happening. You know, I, I am a I am a First Amendment all the way kind of guy. If you want to walk around your city and holding signs, and if you want to write a blog, or if you want to express yourself in a nonviolent way, by all means, go right ahead. That is your right as an American. But let, let let's face it. I mean, let's just let's just use an example of your radio station. Let's just say. Uh, uh, looters or protesters just go destroy your radio station for no reason. Nobody at your radio station had anything to do with the death of, of this uh, individual. And the the the, the pe- people that are responsible who think they're above the law, they're not above the law because they're in jail. All three of them are in jail for murder, first degree murder. So that that's not something to be taken lightly. And um, so they they are let justice do its thing, but yeah, the the craziness with the looting and in in the destruction and the loss of life and that that you no longer as I, as I said to Mo earlier, you're no longer protesters at that point, you're you're domestic terrorists, and that's just you know it's just, let's just say that, that there was nothing going on in in the world and nothing caused us, and, and someone just decided to go uh, loot a business. What would be the reaction? Just just because everybody else is doing it doesn't mean to do it. And this has gotten this has gotten in a contagious fever that I just think has 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 gotten out of hand. But let's get into some of the uh, IndyCar talk and and uh, uh, let's talk a little bit about the the feel about how IndyCar is going about this. 
with no fans. And I, I'm concerned now, uh, Matthew, about the Indianapolis 500 after we saw that the Indiana State Fair is canceled. And, and my thoughts are that we may have the Indy 500 with no fans, and that's going to be a big no-no. So I'm thinking that we might be looking at another pushback maybe to October for the Indianapolis 500. Unfortunately, the problem is if you move it back to October, you're probably not going to be able to get it on television. Unless you're going to find another thing or pay-per-view, you're not going to be able to get it on television because that's right in the middle of major stuff as far as NBC's coverage. They're not going to move that around. Uh, Notre Dame football is in that area, NFL. So it's definitely not going to be moved back to October. It's going to be August or there's going to be a complete cancellation, and I think August is the way to go. I think just people that are headed down there just need to be smart. I mean, I'm planning, if I head down for qualifying, I'm not going to the race personally this year because of the danger. Uh, If I attend qualifying, I'm going to be in an area where there are barely anyone around, whether that's one of the spectator mounds in Turn 3 or the Turn 4 grandstands. But, uh, yeah, I'm being extra careful. I think everyone needs to be extremely cautious if we're headed down there uh, so we don't have another breakout to where – not only do we put the 2020 race in jeopardy, but the 2021 race in jeopardy as well. Well, here's the thing. I, I think they might be having a situation where they won't have even be allowing fans into the, the stadium because they, they canceled the state fair, and that goes for two weeks into August. So if they, if they feel like that many people getting together with the state fair is, uh, is, is too much of a risk, do you think that maybe – IMS is going to follow that lead? Well, for the race, I think they will. They might not for qualifying because qualifying has drawn some very sparse crowds and they could spread everyone out. But I can understand why they're not going to do it, allow them in for the race because you're talking 200,000 fans in there and the ability to social distance is almost impossible with that many fans. Even though it is a large property, it's just not plausible to be able to social distance enough to where everybody's safe. Well... <laughs> I tell you what, take away my Indy 500. We got some problems. I've already lost this week my Florida Georgia Line concert. We'll get into to that here in just a minute with the uh, NASCAR talk. But uh, certainly, uh, that's just uh, it, this is just just craziness. So I, I but let's get excited about uh, the uh, Genesis 300 tonight. Uh, uh, and uh, so let's talk a little bit about some of the. The, the the keys to the race, if you will, Matthew? Well, right now, it's going to be very curious to see how the cars handle with the new aero screen. In fact, if it's not as dramatic uh-huh. a race as, say, the last several ones, I would not be surprised because the way the car handles, I mean, only the rookies and one car per manufacturer got to test the aero screen at Texas, as far as I can remember. And of those rookies, I think only Palou and VK are on the entry list. Maybe I'll ever ask you. But beyond that, uh, I think qualifying is going to mean something tonight. I think track position is going to mean something. And if I had to be a betting man, I think uh, a team, obviously, you talk about fast pit crews. I think uh, this falls right into the wheelhouse of Team Penske. And I would not be surprised if one of their three uh, regulars uh, finds the winner's circle tonight. Well, as you mentioned, it's a new look, same car. Uh, This weekend, tonight, the NTT IndyCar Series will debut its much-anticipated aero screen, uh, ballistic uh, canopy-style-like 
uh, look uh, for safety reasons, and the aero screen was tested extensively in the offseason by the NTT IndyCar Series uh, drivers at a variety of racetracks, including Barber, uh, Indianapolis, uh, Richmond, um, all, all tested it out. And what, what, what are responses from the, the, the drivers? How, how are their thoughts about this? Because those are going to be the ones most affected by this new aero screen. The comfortability, I think, is not the issue right now. I think the issue, like I said, is the extra weight because the cooling system that goes through the driver's helmet now and also the windscreen, that adds an extra 80 to 90 pounds to the car, to the minimum weight. So that affects the handling of the car and its ability to go through the corners at high speed. Now, granted, they're going to be able to take the turns flat out, but that also creates extra drag on the car, so the straightaway speeds will not be as strong. And... They're going to make them very interesting to see how they handle side-by-side in traffic. Now, granted, we saw side-by-side racing in the iRacing Challenge, but obviously that doesn't necessarily match up to the way the cars will handle to, from what happened on the virtual world to the real world. So because of that, like I said, I think the side-by-side racing is going to be limited to the restarts, and then once we get into single file, it may stay that way for a while until we get another restart. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But let's talk a little bit about some of the rookies and the, and the veterans. I mean, they've been off the track for a while now. I know they have the the, the simulated racing, but the, this weekend uh, marks the uh, NTT IndyCar Series debut for two budding open wheel uh, stars, uh, Oliver Askew of uh, 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 McLaren and uh, and uh, McVeigh or McVeigh um, uh, McKay, sorry, of Ed Carpenter Racing. Um, Askew 23 and VK19 are newcomers to the top level of open wheel racing in North America, but they are certainly no strangers to the success of oval tracks. What are your thoughts on these two uh, players in the game tonight? I think Askew has decent stuff. Uh, aggression, I think, right now needs to be controlled. Some of his moves in the iRacing Challenge, I think, were not exactly in the best of interest, especially him taking out uh, the race leaders at Twin Ring Motegi. So, I don't know if he's coming in with the greatest of positivity from the rest of the driving community or not. And VK didn't have much of run. I think he only appeared in one of the iRacing Challenge events, and he is raw. So he could be, you know, a little bit rusty coming out of the gate tonight. But I think the rookie I think that deserves the most attention is the Dale Coyne racing driver, Alex Palou. was very impressive during the test. Uh, looked very good during the iRacing Challenge. Uh, if you're t- looking for probably the driver that's going to have the best rookie result among the newcomers into tonight's race, uh, I'd say the 55 car with Alex Palou is uh, the one that I'd be going for. Let's talk a little bit about Tony Kanaan. Tony Kanaan obviously announced uh, his uh, his uh, uh, last lap farewell tour in January, uh, and uh, he was. I don't think he was even going to scheduled to be on the track in Texas, but however. Due to the delayed start of the series and the, and the COVID-19, Kanan will extend his uh, consecutive race streak to 318 starts since the Texas Motor Speedway is an oval. Tony Kanan at Texas, what are your thoughts? Well, he was going to do the ovals anyway, all, even before the COVID pandemic took over. So this was already on his bucket list anyway. Okay, gotcha. The question in my mind, though, is Foyt Racing done the technical work to be able to run competitively against the big teams on the oval? And I just don't think the answer is yes to that. Uh, he could be able, if the attrition is high, maybe he could sneak up there, maybe challenge. But uh, 
I'd say uh, if he is finishes in the top ten, I'd say that's a win for Canaan uh, and company because uh, this Foyt team uh, still, I think, is several steps behind the main players, at least in terms of challenging for victories, and that includes on the oval tracks, despite the fact Tony Canaan looked good at Indy a couple years ago. So a couple of feel-good stories about the as we get into the to the um, uh, race this weekend. A helmet for frontline heroes uh, this weekend when Graham Ray Hall hops into his number 15 fleet cost and care Honda. He will strap on a special helmet honoring the healthcare heroes uh, working for the front lines of the COVID-19 pandemic. In April, Ray Hall held a contest that encouraged uh, fans to submit helmet designs uh, to him. For this year and Ray Hall chose the top eight designs and then a fan vote was held to decide the winner. The winning design was created by Cindy Romano, a graphic designer uh, for fleet cost and care. The the sponsor of his Ray Hall Letterman lay in racing uh, car this weekend at Texas motor street. I think that's a pretty cool deal. I've always thought Graham was just right there at it uh, when it when it comes to honoring our heroes, whether it be in the medical field, the military field, or, you know, the police and so forth, and first responders. Yeah, good stuff, obviously, in that case. But uh, if you're looking for Graham Rahal's chances, yes, he's won at Texas. But I think uh, if you're looking for a challenger for Rahal Rillerman Lanigan uh, tonight, uh, it's probably Takuma Sato. He comes in, he won the poll for this race a year ago, was in contention until a poor pit stop put him out of contention. But uh, I'd say uh, if you're looking for a Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan car or Honda car that has a chance possibly to win tonight, uh, I think one of the good bets would be uh, Mr. Sato. So when we look at the when we look at the uh, we've seen NASCAR uh, take the lead on getting back and getting the sports back and getting back on the track. Are we going to see very much the same policy and procedures in place uh, from IndyCar at Texas tonight? Uh, I think we'll see that same thing. I mean, obviously, I don't know if you follow Joey Barnes on Twitter, but there's like three non-things that he has in there. One of them I think he has with him is a thermometer. I think he also has one of those safety masks, and then he has one of those medical protocol things uh, for that IndyCar provided. So, uh, yeah, it's a different feeling for everybody. But, again, uh, the key thing is safety first uh, so we can keep this on track and we don't have to go uh, you know, back to square one. So another feel-good story, and going back to just kind of the theme where we're at, and, and I, we're going to get this up. Um, I know uh, Melissa's got this hashtag live like Chris, uh, but when Connor Daly gets into his car uh, tonight, he'll also be strapping on a, a helmet to honor uh, a, a friend of his who was – and I, I met Chris. Uh, I, I wouldn't say that he was a friend, but certainly was a, his immediate acquaintance, uh, Chris Beatty. He was killed in a shooting Saturday night. Uh, May 30th uh, here in Indianapolis. He's an Indianapolis native, a graduate from Cathedral High School. He was an offensive lineman at Indiana University from 2000 to 2004. Um, the hashtag uh, live, like, live Like Chris, I'm sorry, uh, message on Daily's Helmet encourages fan, race fans to live like Chris, to love others boldly and stand up for what's uh, right and to live every day to this fullest. Additionally, Chris Bailey Memorial Scholarship Fund was created to benefit the students at Indiana University and Cathedral High School. And uh, so certainly check uh, check that out. But what are your thoughts? I think that's, that's, that's stand up for uh, Connor Daly. 
Well, the odds certainly hurt Connor Daly because obviously, if you know, Carlin is not going to run their second car due to financial concerns involving Philippe Nasser. So the 31 car has been parked this weekend. They don't have anyone to transfer information with. And add to that, uh, Connor Daly's not had much success at Texas. So uh, I think uh, you talk about uh, the questions about maturity that I raised a couple months ago. I think they're really going to be put to the test tonight uh, if hopefully he doesn't try to make a car that is mid-pack at best and try to make it into a front-running car and ends up putting it in the fence. So uh, hopefully uh, Connor can uh, keep his wits about him and at least get a finish tonight, uh, even though I don't think he has a car that can win the race by any means. Uh, He has a car that could finish well. He just needs to show the maturity and not try to make it a car that is, you know, a top 10, top 15 car and try to make it a top 5 car and overdrive it and take himself out because you don't do yourself no favors if you don't get to the finish. All right, let's kind of just go through some of these stables. Obviously, our, the most uh, biggest elephant in the room there is Team Pinsky as we go into Texas. What are your thoughts? I think if you have the best chance, it has to be New Gardens. He's the defending series champion. Powers had some success there. Pagano has had success in Indy, but not so much at Texas, but I think he's still capable of getting there. But if you're saying who is the best chance of the three Penske cars to break through, I'd say it'd have to be Newgarden. A.J. Foyt Enterprises, A.J. Foyt Racing. Uh, great interview this week, by the way. If you guys get a chance to just go back and check out uh, the, the podcast of, of Dan Dockage, uh, he had uh, A.J. Foyt on this week. And great interview uh, with him. I encourage you to go listen to that. But what are your thoughts, uh, um, uh, Matt, A.J. Foyt uh, tonight in Texas? Well, obviously good, to about see a 7-Eleven, uh, liver, obviously good to see a 7-Eleven livery uh, throwback back with Kanan uh, this weekend. But I think, uh, actually, if you're talking about uh, A.J. Foyt team getting a result, I think the better chance actually comes from Charlie Kimball. A lot to prove for him. He's back on, you know, a full-time, regular basis now in IndyCar racing. He wants to keep that seat. I think he's going to be going pretty hard uh, trying to get a good result tonight to get out to a good start uh, with the Traceva team. So let's talk about Andretti. Obviously, Hinchcliffe is uh, back over at Andretti. Uh, you got Rossi, and 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 um, so, so what are your thoughts there with Andretti? This is a huge race for Hinch. Uh, if he wants to be, you know, in the position where he can you make a justified case for a full-time ride in 2021, whether it's with Andretti or elsewhere, he needs to provide results and the opportunities that he has this season. And what better way to do that than to open up with a good result at Texas uh, you look at the other ones, uh, I don't expect much from Hunter Ray. Rossi, I think, ultimately gives them the best chance to win tonight and for most of the races this season. And then, uh, I guess, uh, with uh, Colton Herta, can he keep his wits about him? I think it's the same question that you have with Connor Daly, is can he keep his wits about him and not try to overextend himself to a car that is not a winning car and keep it on the road and get the result and get the points toward the championship instead of putting in the fence and uh, leaving with no points. Let's talk a little bit about Chip Canassi racing. What do we got going on there with Scott Dixon? And uh, uh, Felix will be able to make that race, I believe he will be, too. And then, of course, uh, Marcus Erickson as well. Uh, I'm not sure if he was able to make it over or not, but uh, certainly uh, Scott Dixon will be in the race. Yeah, all those guys with Ganassi have homes in the Indianapolis or the U.S., so none of them were in question as far as being able to make it to the track. So all those guys are good to go. 
I'll be curious to see what Marcus Erickson can do. He's been very impressive in the online events. I think he's taken to the ovals better than I think most thought he would, and now he's got a competitive ride. Uh, I would not be surprised if Marcus Erickson is a potential threat uh, for a top five and not a win tonight. All right, finally, Ray Hall Letterman uh, Racing. Uh, Ray Hall Letterman Racing. Uh, obviously, Graham, uh, Ray Hall uh, uh, Sato is in that group there. What are your thoughts? Well, like I said, Sato, I think, is the best threat uh, for them right now, even though Ray Hall does have a win at Texas. Uh, you look at Coin, uh, Ferrucci, another one that could keep, if he can keep, you know, his mindset straight, I think he could be a competitor tonight. Same with Alex Palou. And let's see, anyone else I'm missing here on the list I haven't got to? Uh, the other outsider that I'd say as well to look out for, uh, even though, yes, he only runs the ovals, but uh, if he qualifies well, I would not be surprised if Ed Carpenter would be a threat for the win when we get to the toward that 200-lap uh, later tonight as well. Matthew Embry, WSVTF at South Bend, our official IndyCar contributor. Matthew, we're going to get started into some NASCAR talk here uh, in just a, a, a few moments. Guys, so stick around, 917-889-8516. We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. I can't believe it. I've been playing 4 on 4 with a barbershop quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it. Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. For more unbelievable Geico videos, give subscribe a click. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mace. Ow, they're looking my eyes. Quit moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA, love your home.
give me fuel, give me fire, give me that which I desire. Welcome back to the balance one hour in the books. Thank you to Mo from the BS sports show uh, joined us to, uh, today. Help us kick things off and kind of just uh, get us into this dialogue of uh, just, we took a few steps back and just kind of talk about what's going on in the world and just t- kind of the craziness stuff that's going on. Talked about Drew Brees uh, and his apology. Uh, maybe it was sufficient. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was in the right time. Maybe he just didn't read the room right uh, when he, uh, made the the comment about the kneeling and, and like Mo said, you know, it's not really that anything was he had any problem with the kneeling. It's just that now all the messages get lost. And and again, when if you want to go out there and walk around with the sign and 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 protest, that's complete within your right as an American. And that's that's what being an American is all about. But you don't have so so your. Uh, rights end if you start taking away other people's rights. If you start destroying property and you start killing people, yeah, you're no longer a protester. Uh, but uh, joining us again here, Matthew Embry from uh, WSVT in South Bend, helping us break down uh, IndyCar. IndyCar is back on the track in Texas this weekend. Uh, and also uh, helping us with NASCAR, helping us uh, fill in for that because uh, Steve was unable to uh, make it today. Uh, Matthew, but uh, let's let's just uh, continue on. You know, there's been stories all week. No sense in going into, into all of them, uh, but a lot of the NASCAR drivers have used their platforms, if you will, and and a lot of the sports people have used their platforms, if you will, to to speak about uh, what's what's going on. And we're at the at the very tail end of this show. We're going to be listening to the um, uh, unedited, un unre- unredacted. Uh, 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 news conference from Chris Ballard of the Indianapolis Colts and his thoughts on everything that's going on. But Matthew, what are your thoughts about NASCAR drivers? There's a lot of stories out there about the different NASCAR drivers using their uh, uh, platforms and profiles to um, uh, protest or talk about uh, this, the social injustice. Do you think that's right and different, or do you think that maybe that might hurt them in, in some sort of a sponsorship type deal? I've not heard of that yet, but you never know. Stranger things have happened. Well, I'm starting to wonder right now if what uh, Bubba Wallace is doing, because he drives for Richard Petty, and Richard Petty has been staunch, uh, staunch against these protests from day one. He was staunch when the kneeling against the kneeling, for instance. So I don't know how much more longer uh, Richard Petty is going to take up, keep put up with that. Uh, unfortunately, I mean, Bubba Wallace means well in this whole thing, but I just have a scary feeling Richard Petty is going to sack Bubba Wallace before the season's out. Yeah, and I, I haven't seen anything where Bubba Wallace was encouraging the looting or the damage to property, but I obviously, for obvious reasons, as as we know that that. Um, He's 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 mixed is the best way to put it. Uh, certainly, his his family has African American heritage, and uh, so I, I can see where he he would feel a little bit stronger about it than, than others. But yeah, Petty's one of those old school guys that that uh, those children. Uh, 
Yeah, and so is Childers. Yeah, so we'll we'll see how things go. Well, we're going on, on to Atlanta. They're they're keeping on without the fans. Let's talk about something that we just, oh man, it was just such a bummer uh, that we're not going to be able to be on the the, the fans and lim very very limited uh, media is going to be available uh, for the Fourth of July at the Brickyard and Florida Georgia Line got canceled and that just just drove me through the. the I had never had a chance to see them. They're one of my favorite bands. I was really excited about uh, being able to see them, and that's not going to happen at, at this point. But really, uh, NASCAR and Indianapolis Motor Speedway has said, hey, uh, yeah, we're not, we're not going to allow fans uh, this, this year, and it's the July 4th weekend. It, I just felt like it had all the bill, uh, makings of being a great race out of the track. Well, the thing is, though, like the article from Marshall Pruitt said, the city of Speedway and the city of Indianapolis are behind in the steps necessary to reopen. And unfortunately, like you said, that damage and looting, I think, also stunted that a bit as well. But again, the silver lining is the following two weekends, Lucas Oil Raceway at Indianapolis for the two NHRA makeup events, they are allowing a limited number of fans into the grandstands for those two events. So there is a silver lining in all of this even if we don't have the fans uh, July 4th weekend for the NASCAR event. Yeah, I'm certainly uh, <laughs> I'm just excited to get it back on. on I, I mean, I, I'm excited to see that we've got NBA coming back slowly, but surely uh, sports are coming back. I, I still haven't heard a, 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 a firm thing on, 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 on MLB, but, uh, but we're in Atlanta. And uh, today, uh, 1 o'clock, and, and uh, certainly just this past week, we've had Bristol. I think NASCAR's just did a fantastic job, a fantastic job of trying to get all the races in, even if they don't have any fans. Very interesting stuff with that, obviously. And, you know, the ratings have been pretty good. I mean, what, they've been the highest they've been for Fox, I think, since, what, 2004, I think. Does that sound right? Yeah, I think so. So that's that, certainly a good sign there, obviously, because it means the sponsors are getting more bang for their buck, and that's always keeping them happy and keeping them in the sports, obviously, a key. So uh, things are going to be very interesting. But uh, like we said, uh, at this point of the circuit, uh, is there anyone in NASCAR that is hotter than Chase Elliott right now? He's pretty hot. <laughs> He's pretty hot. Um, and you know what? He, for Sunday, at least. He does have the pull, absolutely. He does have the pull. Um, you know, I wouldn't. He's certainly well on his way. If you were to, if you were to pick uh, somebody to to win a championship, I think this would be the year for him to do that. And here's the thing: we've been watching Chase Elliott for a few years now, and and we remember when he stepped in in the car to replace Jeff Gordon, and we're like, man, there's some awful big shoes to to, to fill there. And I think he's did a pretty good job on on filling those shoes. Well, it was going to take time. I think it was unfair for people to think that Chase Elliott and William Byron and Alex Bowman were going to win races in year one. I think that was unfair, and I think Hendrick could have done a better job of, you know, spreading things out so that the, you know, fear of God wasn't placed on each and one of those drivers' shoulders from year one. So I think that was a disservice to them, but I think they've taken the situation well. We're seeing where Bowman won a race before the pandemic, uh, Elliot's been right on the contention from the word go, and uh, certainly Byron's had his moments. 
not only in the real life racing but also in the iRacing Challenge. So uh, I think they're starting to get their wings. It just I think people need to be a little more patient with them instead of you know saying, well, they didn't do it in year one, they're not going to do it ever. And I think that was unfair to those three that uh, fans put the pressure on them right from the word go instead of giving them time that they have others. And just because certain you know drivers like Tony Stewart's and Jimmy Johnson's are successful in year one does not mean that the big next big superstars are going to be super good right out of the box. I mean, Kyle Busch was not exactly great in his first year either, for instance. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, sometimes we just uh, – I think it would. I honestly think it would have been different if he had gotten into any other car that wasn't number twenty-four. If, I think if he had gotten into any other car, or number nine, or eighty-eight, or number nine. True, <laughs> true that, true that. Well, the third installment of the revised twenty twenty NASCAR schedule has been announced, and it features all features double headers, midweek races, and, and new dates for all the All Star race. According to the series, NASCAR's modified event procedures and protocols have been finalized in accordance with public health officials, medical experts, local, state, and federal officials. NASCAR's has been running, of course, one-day shows for each of their series uh, without practice or qualifying. Without practice or qualifying, have we noticed much of a change in the way that teams are are doing their team strategy and the way that they're running these races without practice or qualifying? Well, I think with that, whoever's had the momentum coming in from race to race, I think that's being able to be maintained. That's why you're seeing guys like Chase Elliott so good and where a Kyle Busch has a little bit of a cold streak here and it keeps on going on and going on. You really don't have a chance to reset yourself, uh, you know, in the events. I mean, and I think you're seeing that right now, and it's a different thing that we're not used to a little bit, but I, I don't think you can really reset because you don't have that practice or qualifying session. It's like boom, 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 boom. You're going right into it, and whoever has the momentum – based on the most recent event, is the guy that's going to be right out of the box competitive. And that's why you see Chase Elliott uh, right near the top of the standings and in probably the best position to win the championship right now. It's not to say he's going to stay there. I mean, he could have a couple of bad results, and that could you know, hurt his momentum or a couple of bad races, and it could go somewhere. But right now, he is the guy to beat. Yeah, Chase Elliott is definitely uh, the, the guy to beat. Let's talk about Atlanta. Let's talk about the track. It's a fast track, and – when there's fans there, it's an exciting, exhilarating track. But let's talk a little bit about Atlanta, the track, and how the teams prepare for this weekend. You know, it's kind of sad what's happened to Atlanta. That used to be one of the big events of the year, but now with the inability to draw, they've taken down grandstands left and right. They now only have one race a year, and that's another thing I want to get to is another track that's lost a race for 2021. We'll talk about that later. But, uh, yeah, it's one of my favorite tracks. I always had a kindling for it i saw the track in person at least one time uh, coming home from vacation in florida one year so uh yeah good stuff there certainly but uh yeah it's just a shame that it's not one of the it tracks now because it now only has one race a year and it's early part of the season unlike in years past when it was the track where the championship was always determined at you know let's talk about tracks uh i'm excited to see uh the uh uh, NASCAR returned to Nashville in 2021, and and uh, Nashville was the hot spot for the longest time uh, for NASCAR. Well, 
I'll be very curious to see how well they maintain that uh, Nashville Super Speedway, I guess is what it's called. They have not run a race there since 2001, I believe. So the track and maintenance, I wonder how they've been able to keep the upkeep of that track and be able to where it's a competitive track and a safe track. But I think the I just cannot believe they're taking a race away from Dover. I mean, yes, it's not one of the safest tracks on the circuit, but it's one of the most competitive and exciting tracks on the circuit. And the fact now it only has one race a year, I think, is uh, it's criminal that, you know, tracks like Atlanta, um, Chicagoland, Dover, Darlington, all these tracks that have a lot of NASCAR history now are only one event a year, and they've kind of been forgotten uh, in terms of the NASCAR community, especially for those that are outside, you know, the core base is the south and the southeast. Those tracks are unknown for most fans coming in, and I think that's a shame that because all the history of the sport go to several of those venues, and the fact they're kind of getting uh, shoved to the background again, I think is, uh, in my mind, I think the word criminal fits that. So let's uh, kind of get into the, the staples of today. Uh, this weekend's uh, race, uh, t- today, uh, Xfinity, t- tomorrow is the Cup Series down in Atlanta. Let's start with Chip Canassi. you got Kurt Busch and Matt Kenseth running there with the Chevy. Well, obviously, I think Ganassi. Uh, Kenseth had a decent bounce back replacing Kyle Larson. Busch uh, is capable of, you know, the great results here and there, but I just don't think he's a championship contender like when he was with Roush Fenway. Uh, as far as coming into Atlanta, I think Kenseth has a decent track record there. Bush, not so much. So long shot for both of them. But I think, uh, let's see here. Where did they, is everyone lining up here? They got, I think Kurt Bush starts 12th. And I don't see Kenseth's name on the list here. I think he's a little bit further up maybe. Uh, I don't see. I'll keep looking for that, but uh, I'd say right now, if you're looking for winners, I don't think Ganassi's uh, name, even though it's going to be, I think, a contender for action tonight in Texas. I don't think it's going to be an action tomorrow when we get to Atlanta for the NASCAR event. Let's talk a little bit about Front Row Motorsports, and that's you got Todd Gillard, uh, Michael McDowell, and John Hunter Namacek. And by the way, John Hunter Namacek has has started to uh, turn a few heads. If there is one guy besides William Byron that has rode the momentum from that iRacing Challenge well, John Hummer Nemechek is that guy. I mean, this he's t- making a top car that probably is a sub, you know, top 25, top 30 car, and he is running in the top 20. And the fact he is starting 18th uh, this weekend, in fact, higher than, say, a Matt Kenseth, a William Byron, a Bubba Wallace, a Matt Benedetto, a Ricky Stenhouse, uh, says that he is a driver that if a team is looking for a dr- for a new driver for 2021, I would not be surprised uh, if he is on the short list of drivers possibly to get one of those more marquee rides. Not saying that front row is a, a bad ride, but it's not one of the rides that you say, oh, this guy can win a championship with or consistently win races. Because I don't think what they haven't won since, I think, 2014 at Talladega, I think. I think you're right on that. Uh, so we have a couple, three teams with one driver teams, and that's Gaunt Brother Racing's uh, Daniel Suarez, uh, Jermaine, uh, Ty Dillon. Ty's not really making the wave like his brother Austin has, and we'll see how that comes together. And, of course, go fast racing with Corey, Corey LaJoy. 
Uh, don't expect much from them. I thought Ty Dillon would be having a breakthrough eventually, and it just hasn't happened. And unfortunately, being a single car effort with, you know, a satellite, well, I think they're with Hendrick or Childress. And, of course, those teams are still, especially Childress, is not necessarily what I'd say a competitive team at this point, uh, as opposed to years when they had guys like Earnhardt, Harvick, and the like, even a Robbie Gordon that was a top driver. Uh, they just don't have the competitive nature that they used to have, and I think that's shown. Uh, for Suarez, uh, the thing with Suarez is this is his third team in three years, and you just don't find any, you know, basis when you keep changing teams every year. I mean, it's great to be in the series, but when you change teams, you're always going back and resetting, going back to square one, resetting, going back to square one. It's like you're a rookie every single season, and that's not helping his development. So, if Gaunt Brothers has the money and they could find the sponsorship, he could stay for a second year, then maybe they can get some results. But if he keeps changing teams, I don't know how he can be competitive. Well, I think uh, the understatement of, of, the, of the day is to say that uh, Hendrick Motorsports is the powerhouse at Atlanta this weekend. Alex Bowman, William Byron, Chase Elliott, obviously we, we've been talked about in great detail today. And, of course, Jimmy Johnson in his final year in NASCAR. My biggest question, though, is when, you know, these other teams are going to start breaking through, like the Gibbs, the, you know, the mainstays, the Gibbs, the Penske oh, yeah. that Gibbs, we've seen. Definitely. Uh, I think sooner or later you're going to see Brad Keselowski be a factor. I think sooner or later you're going to see Joey Logano, Ryan Blaney for Penske as well, maybe even the satellite car, Matt Benedetto with the Wood Brothers, and then obviously the Gibbs cars when you have that dream team of Hamlin, Bush, Truex, Eric Jones. Uh, the fact that they have not been more successful this year uh, puzzles me a little bit because I thought this would be where they would pick up right from square one, and they have done anything but this year. I don't know if it's just Toyota is you know, in a little bit of a slump as far as providing this stuff compared to, say, Chevrolet or Ford, but whatever the situation is, uh, I don't know if it's driver issue or car issue, but uh, the Gibbs guys and the Penske guys have not been the same, uh, at least from the times I've seen them. And the eye test, uh, in my opinion, says a lot. I just think there is something missing from those organizations, and they have a lot of work to do to be able to find it before we get to the playoffs. Well, you mentioned Joe Gibbs racing. I mean, uh, uh, Denny Hamlin winning the Daytona 500, we thought this was going to be the breakout year. You mentioned them, them being a, a the Dream 10 uh, team, obviously. Yeah, but here's uh, the thing, them. Tom. There's a mm-hmm. big difference between restrictor plate racing and the intermediate tracks and the short tracks. There is certain car manufacturers and teams that will do much better on restrictor plate tracks or road courses, et cetera, and they'll be non-existent on intermediate and short tracks. And right now, it's not to say they've fallen off the face of the earth, but they're not running up front like they normally are on these other tracks beside the restrictor plate tracks, and that's the issue right now if you're looking at a team like Gibbs and Penske. Let's talk a little bit about JT, JTG Dowdery Racing, and obviously that's the home of Brian Priest and Ricky Steinhouse Jr., which uh, uh, Ricky Jr. has uh, starting to turn a few heads again. It looks like he might have a have a, uh, a second wave of success coming his way. Stenhouse uh, obviously got to a strong start with the early exit at Darlington. Uh, had the run at Daytona with the pole, but he hasn't done much. 
if you're talking about J.T.D. Jordy, I think the guy that's disappointing me the most is Ryan Priest. I thought he was going to have a major breakthrough this year, and having Stenhouse would help him get towards doing that. But neither of those cars have been factors. So I think that there's been a disappointment so far, at least in my opinion, in 2020, as far as making a move forward. J.T.D. Jordy, uh, Doherty, the Brad Doherty team, the former basketball player, uh, that team, I think, is on that list of teams that have disappointed me so far that I thought were going to be much more competitive than they currently have been. Let's talk a little bit about RCR and their Chevy team with uh, Anthony Alfredo and Austin Dillon, Kaz uh, 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 Grela, Tyler Reddick, and Matt Snyder. Well, obviously, Tyler Reddick, I think you're referring to some of their guys that are, you know, in the, say, uh, Xfinity series and lower. Obviously, you're talking about Childers. You're talking Dillon. And uh, Tyler Reddick, Reddick's impressive. Uh, he's made some major steps forward. Uh, the thing is with Austin Dillon is I think he's just uh, right now, I mean, we've waited and waited for him to make the breakthrough. Yes, he got the Daytona 500 win under, you know, controversial circumstances, but he's kind of flatlined. And unfortunately, I think you're getting to the point right now, Tom, where you look at Austin Dillon, and I think is he is unfortunately, even though he yeah, is in the number three card, you want to see that car do well, you know, from uh, – circumstances and you know being the super fans that we are but i think unfortunately austin dillon's as good as he's going to get and well being you know the family and the ties are going to keep him in that seat but i don't know if it's going to necessarily be to the benefit of the team in the long run uh having him as the driver so let's uh, talk about a couple other teams here before we got to wrap it up and put a bow on it. But let's talk about Stuart, Stuart Haas. Uh, obviously, uh, Eric Amanarla. I always mess that name up. There's a few names I mess up all the time. Clinton Boyer, uh, Chase Briscoe, Cole Custer, and Kevin Harvick. Obviously, Kevin Harvick and Clinton Boyer uh, wanted their uh, uh, double punches there with Stuart Haas. Yeah, obviously, you talk about Chase Briscoe. He's had some good runs in the Xfinity Series, uh, certainly has made a name for himself there. I don't know uh, if there's going to be a ride available for him in a cup car for 2021 or not. Uh, Boyer's had some decent runs. Uh, I think right now, if you're looking at the factor, even though is on the front row uh, coming up tomorrow, I think uh, if you're looking for someone to break through for Stuart Haas Racing, it's the guy that won Darlington, and obviously that's Kevin Harvick. Let's talk a little bit about, uh, obviously, Team uh, Penske again uh, in, in uh, NASCAR with Ryan Blaney, Austin Cedric, Brad Kowalski, and Joey Logano. Cedric's another one that we could be seeing, you know, in a year or two, possibly in a cup ride. I don't know if it's going to be with Penske or not, but uh, you got, uh, obviously, two mainstays in Keselowski and Logano, and I'd say Ryan Blaney, Blaney's getting close to being there, so... Uh, if you're unless Penske's going to expand to four cars, which I don't think is going to happen, uh, Austin Sindrick is probably either going to get stuck in Xfinity or he's going to have to be looking for a cup ride with someone else. Talking with Matthew Embry, WSPT, up in South Bend, our official IndyCar contributor, also uh, filling in for Steve Wilson today with our uh, NASCAR talk. Appreciate you uh, doing that. Uh, Matthew, as, let's go back to the subject you were talking about earlier about the tracks. Let's make sure that that we talk about all of those with the, the, the track concerns that you have and the different thoughts that you have about the tracks coming up here in the, in this season and next season. Well, obviously if you, for those of you following uh, Nashville super speedway, which has been dormant for several years is getting a cup date in 2021. Uh, they are 
owned by the same owners of Dover Downs, which obviously the Monster Mile, all that. They have taken one of the Dover races away from Dover and moved it to Nashville. And again, like I said, yes, it's not one of the safest tracks on the circuit, Dover Downs, and you know the pit lane and the layout's not exactly great. But again, you keep taking tracks away from these mainstay, you know, core value tracks, uh, and then you t- take it to these venues that. Uh, I don't know how the upkeep's been for a Nashville super speedway, especially considering this is a track that uses a concrete surface instead of an asphalt surface. So being able to keep that track, uh, you know, prepared and get it ready for action by 2021, I think is going to be a test. Well, we're certainly excited to see what happens uh, with the, the, the 2021 uh, uh, season, 2020 season as we move forward and, and hopefully Soon, sooner than later, uh, we'll get we'll get fans back out at the track because I know that I'm just itching to get back out there at the track and and, and get around the cars and just it's just something special about being out there at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and and hopefully we will be able to have fans out out there in, in August. And Matthew Ambray, WSPT up in South Bend. Matthew, appreciate you joining us. Let's go ahead and get your final words or wisdom of of anything you might want to add to the to the theme of the show or about the races or anything that maybe uh, that you wanted to add that we haven't talked about? Well, obviously, the news is good. If you're a Notre Dame fan, uh, we're just, you know, 16 days away from the opening of the training camp, uh, essentially, for Notre Dame football for the new season. Uh, obviously, you know, it's disappointing that they're not going to be able to open the season in Dublin, Ireland against Navy. It looks like that game, though, is going to be moved to the Navy campus in Annapolis, and that's the first time Notre Dame has played in Navy's home stadium. So that could be an interesting change of things and change of venue, that Navy actually gets a true home game against Notre Dame, which is something I don't think they've ever had because usually it's been neutral site games where they can draw a big crowd because of Notre Dame's following. But uh, I think you look at Notre Dame – I'd love to have Rick Rickens uh, tag on it, but uh, I think you look ahead to this year. The questions I have, uh, there's some questions about running back. Uh, could just Jafar Armstrong stay healthy? Uh, Ian Books, I think, is going to be the quarterback unless he has an absolutely horrendous training camp or gets injured. And there's a loaded core of wide receivers, and I'd say right now, uh, if you're talking about a player that could have a big breakthrough season for them, I would say watch out for Braden Lindsay. I mean, you don't get number 25, which is, of course, Rocket Ismail's number, just because you're an average player. He reminds me a lot of a Rocket Ismail, and it would not surprise me if he has a breakout season uh, in 2020. Matthew Embry, we appreciate you joining us and appreciate you uh, uh, filling in for us in, in, in the uh, NASCAR uh, slot. Where can people find your work and masterpieces, sir? M-A-T-T-E-M-B-U-R-Y, and also I will be probably tweeting on horse racing because the last major prep before the Triple Crown, the Santa Anita Derby, is coming up tonight. And just think, two weeks from now, the first and unusual first Triple Crown race, the Belmont Stakes, is just two weeks away. It's going to be kind of crazy, again, how they're running these these big races with, with in a different environment. Matthew, where can people find your work masterpieces, sir? Again, M-A-T-T-E-M-B-U-R-Y on Twitter. And uh, I tell you what, a lot to look forward to tonight, again, with Texas and Atlanta tomorrow. And, uh, again, 
like I said, if you're looking for an opportunity, take advantage. There are limited tickets available, and they will have some fans in the stands for those two NHRA makeup events at Lucas Oil Raceway. So if you have tickets for the U.S. Nationals, you should be either getting an email from the track or a phone call saying possibly move those tickets to one of these makeup events to spread the fans out and uh, get to see some action uh, if you especially are out of luck, uh, say, for the NASCAR event coming up July 4th. Sounds like a plan. Thank you, Matthew. Have yourself a good weekend, and we'll talk with you soon. Anytime, Tom. Matthew Embry, WSVT up in South Bend, joins us in helping us break down IndyCar and NASCAR. My name is uh, Tom Marcos, El Presidente. We'll be right back with uh, a little bit of a different uh, segment, uh, but we'll get into that when we get back right here on the Balance Radio Network. Quick stop, midnight tea top, Jack and her cherry coke town. Mama and daddy put the roots right here, cause this is where the car broke down. Yellow dog school bus, kicking up red bus. The Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. I can't believe it. I've been playing 4-on-4 with a barbershop quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it, Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Morning face. You get is when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mace. Ow, they're my eyes. We're moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA. Love your home.
All right, welcome back to The Balance. My name is Tom Marquez, El Presidente. Appreciate Mo from the BS Sports Show joining us. And, you know, we just kind of took a, a few steps back today and, and just kind of talked a little bit about what's going on in, in our world with this, this, just this craziness that has been happening in our cities across the United States. And we saw it happen here in Indianapolis. And, you know, we, we, we saw – we saw loss of life and, and damaged property and and uh, you know Chris Brady we talked about him a couple times on the show today certainly a a very well known IU player uh, businessman in the community upstanding uh, business leader in the community also a part of the sports media here in Indianapolis and uh, shot and killed because during these these protests and. It's happening across the United States, and we're seeing it on everything. Now, you know, if you've not seen the George Floyd and you and you want to watch it, go ahead. It's a little disturbing, but here, here's the thing: the the police officers that were involved are no longer police officers. They're fired. They are in jail. They are in jail for a murder, and let justice do its course. And I am a, a I am a First Amendment guy, trust me on this. I believe you can say whatever you want to say, but if, if you're right, and if if you start taking your your rights and taking away other people's rights or doing damage to other people's stuff, you're no longer a, a exercising your First Amendment right. And it, you know, we're going to listen to a press conference here in in just a moment here uh, to to wrap up the show um from uh chris uh chris ballard and um but and he and, he, and it's a pretty powerful press conference it has nothing to do with football per se but and then we saw this with with uh, drew Brees and drew Brees. Granted, I kind of agree with what Mo said. Mo said, you know, read the room, and maybe it wasn't the right time for him to say, let's not go into the NFL season and start this kneeling all over again. It was kind of his way of saying, let's not, let's not bring what's going on in the world out on the field. I think that's what he was trying to say, but the message got lost. And, and unfortunately, um, and, and again, I obviously have no idea what it's like to grow up as an African-American and nor do I proclaim to. And, and yes, there's history and heritage there that's, that, that runs deep and cuts deep, and that makes sense. But, and there's ways to learn and educate and have dialogue about that. Um, but let, let, let's face it. I mean, the landowners, uh, Chris Beatty had nothing to do with the death of, of George, George Floyd. Uh, you know, the courthouse in Nashville had nothing to do with the death of uh, uh, George Floyd. The, the people that, are, that did have something to do with the death of George Floyd are in jail. And again, if you want to walk around town and hold up signs and gather in groups and and have speeches and, and talk and, and engage in protests that are peaceful, I'm all for it. But where we've gotten to has gotten a little bit to the other end of the spectrum. And, and so I, I thought this, this Chris Ballard um, press conference was good and very heartfelt. And, and um, 
you know, I, I feel like that maybe he says something that, that should have been said a long time ago. So we're going to go ahead and go to this. It's, it's about 17 minutes long. Uh, it'll take up most of this second segment of the show. Um, but we do want to hear that. And so thanks to Indianapolis Colts, IndianapolisColts.com. And if you guys want to hear more on this story, by all means, go to IndianapolisColts.com. Chris Ballard talking about social injustice. I'm not here to talk about football. Um, and I don't, have a, I don't have a prepared statement. I've got some notes. Um, but I'm just going to talk about, you know, how, I'm, how we're feeling, how I'm feeling, you know, kind of what I've experienced here over the past 10 days. Um, you know, watching what's going on in our country, then watch, watched what happened, you know, the last two days, and which, you know, look, I've been in this league 20 years, and might have been as most as, as impactful of two days um, that I've ever been a part of. Um, and I'm proud of the leadership that we have in terms of Frank Wright, um, what he stands for as a man. He stands for everything that's right, um, and. And to watch him lead right now makes me very proud um, to watch our players um, speak with what's on their hearts and on their minds. Makes me very proud to watch David Thornton, one of the unsung heroes of our organization, lead the charge um, for change. Um, he's, a, he's a special human being. He's a special person. I consider him a, a close friend and just lucky to lucky to have him have have him around and on our team. Feel very fortunate. But I can't sit here and remain silent because that's exactly what we've done. Every time our black community screams and yells for help, we have to end social injustices and racial inequalities. We have to end the police violence against our black communities. You know, black lives matter. I don't understand why that's so freaking hard for the white community to say, black lives matter. I've been ignorant. I've been ignorant to the real problem. Um, and I'm ashamed of that. I just came to the realization here over the last 10 days with some really hard, difficult conversations that we've had as an organization, as a team, with my family, with my sons. Uh, and I've been ignorant to the real problem. See, this is not a black problem. This is a white problem. This is, a, this is an issue that we have to talk about. And we can't, we can't sugarcoat it. We can't sugarcoat our way out of this. We can't go back into our bubble because that's what we've always done. We've always gone right back into our, into our bubble and we've never really listened. We haven't listened. I haven't listened. We haven't listened as a country. White America refuses to listen. We want to keep things the same, and it can't. Or we'll continue down the same path we're continuing down. And that has to change, and nothing will change until we do that. I'm ashamed of that. I'm embarrassed by that. I pride myself on connecting and really getting to know people and caring for them. And look, I, don't, get it, don't, get, don't get me wrong. Um, you know, our children, my wife and I teach love and respect um, everybody, no matter what their, their, their race, you know, whatever their religion is, whatever their sexual preference, it doesn't matter. We, we teach them to respect and love, but we didn't teach them 
you know, really what they need. To, it's got to be more than that. It's got to be more than that. And I had long talks with our kids, especially my son, you know, here over the last week. Um, my wife's out of town with the girls right now. Um, so my son's has just been us in the house and, um, you know, about what's going on in our country. And they have no idea. That's my fault. That's my fault as a father. You know, it starts when they're young. It starts in our families. Um, kids are not born to hate. They're not. They don't have any clue about race. They're taught it. They're taught it at home. And when I hear stories, it breaks my heart. Like the last two days, listening to our players talk, listen to our coaches talk. Well, what kind of place do we live in where they feel uncomfortable buying a, buying a car and afraid that they're going to be racially profiled because of what they're driving? What kind of country and place do we live in where a black man and his family go into a restaurant and they get second looks? It's not a good place. I was ignorant to the fact, I knew it, but I was ignorant to the fact that it was happening. And shame on me. That won't happen again. We're going to stand up for what's right. We're going to stand up for what's right as an organization. People deserve it. This is about humanity. About human, this is about human lives we're talking about here. How can you, you got to have some empathy for the human life. We're all the same. Like I was naive to this. Like I, I, I'm very naive because I think, well, okay, I, I don't see color. Um, but I'm naive to think that everybody else is the same way. And, and, and then there's little things that I did that I didn't realize that was hurting other people. You know, we've had some great talks. You know, when I got to listen to a close friend that I've worked with for a long time, tell me, and I, and I talked to him and his wife last night, you know, tell me that, you know, the things they've had to deal with over time. And for me to not be empathetic for that is just flat wrong. Um, you know, explaining to my kids, they didn't understand the protest and the violence. You know, I explained to them, look, people are trying to peacefully protest, but they're screaming and yelling for help. Like I didn't agree with the violence, but I understood it. Like I understood the violence. They're screaming for help. They want to help. Look at the signs. I can't breathe. Stop killing black people. They're screaming for help. And we, and it's our job to help. If you've got any decency in you, you've got to want to help. And that's our duty. That's what this country's about. That's what this country was built upon. How do we, how do we, and I'm going I'm to read, because it said, I mean, it, it, look, this is in our, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Well, that ain't happening right now. That's not happening. We consider and say, oh, yes, it, no, it's not. It's not. How does the black community, and this is how I kind of explained it to my children, my son the other day. How does the black community feel 
when they see George Floyd with a knee on his throat and dying because of it. Then to have three people watch it, three other people watch it and not do anything. That's like, that. that's what we're doing right now as a country. We're watching it and we're not doing anything about it. That makes me sad. To have a fear that every time you live every day, you come into contact with a police officer, when a black American comes into contact with a police officer and they're scared and they're fearful of what could happen, that is wrong. That is dead wrong. This is how I put it to my son the other day. I said, I said, okay, close your eyes. And I want you to think about this. Police officer's got a man, got his knee on him. He's, he's choking him. He's sucking all the air out of him. And I want you to think that's your father who's white. Think of what your reaction would be. And think about seeing that over and over again. What would your reaction be? You'd be angry. You'd be hurt. I want to thank all our players. All of them. Every single freaking one of them. They saw, they, they brought it to light. And look, you're either, I thought Jacoby Brissett put it best when he said he, you're either part of the problem. I mean, you're either part of the solution or you're part of the problem. And for us to sit here and remain silent, we're your, you're part of the problem. I want to do my part. I know we can't fix this overnight. I know it's going to take time, but I want to do my part. My family will do our part. You can bet on that. Um, I know you're going to have questions, and that's good because I'm here to answer. No football. This ain't about football right now. Football come, and that'll that'll play itself out, and we'll have a good season. We got a good football team, but we're here to we're here to talk about life right now and the problems we have in this country. Um, so I'll take any any question you got. All right, Joel, you want to start? Yeah, uh, Chris. Um, Frank said the other day that you know he would never try to restrict a player's individual expression. Um, and it's, it's not completely fair to you to ask you to talk about the entire NFL, but do you feel that the NFL in the past um, has restricted that for some players, specifically, you know, with, with Colin Kaepernick kneeling and, and everything like that? I don't know if we – I'll say it this way. Well, like Gary, we didn't listen. I didn't listen in 17. You know, I didn't listen to Darius. I love Darius Butler. I love Darius Butler. He tried to explain it. I thought I heard it. I didn't hear it. We didn't listen. We didn't listen. All right, Zach Kiefer. Chris, you hit on this, but what did you learn the last two days in those meetings that you didn't know before those meetings? We have guys hurting really hurting that makes me sad man and they're hurting and i didn't i didn't see it see don patterson who i'm close with and known for years uh, in kansas city and does some work for us don patterson made a great point it's one of the things i love about football like the locker room is really a special place man It doesn't matter your color, your religion, it doesn't matter. Like they got to come together and 
come together as a team, and it doesn't matter what your color, your race. It's one of the great fair places. Uh, might be one of the, the last pure fair places we have. And, you know, Don made the statement because we all talked about it. You know, we talked about it, and, and Don made the statement of, well, you all talk about how special the locker room is. Why can't we take the locker room to the world? Well, absolutely. It's one of the great things about this game. And easier said than done, but he's right. What? If, if everybody in America could experience what our kids do in that locker room, they would understand better because they all come together. But here's the problem. When our black players walk out of the locker room, mm -hmm. it changes. Their mindsets change because now they're in protection mode. And a lot of them said they're numb. They become numb to the looks. They become numb to when they walk on an elevator and somebody moves the other way just because of the color of their skin. They become numb when they go to a restaurant and people give them a double look. They become numb to that. That's a shame. That sucks, man. That freaking sucks. That sucks. Um, all right, Kevin Bowen. Chris, uh, obviously you, you, your words have been really powerful. What actions do you want to see your team take here in the coming days, months? Glad you asked that. So David, and David did this before any of this. So he reached out to the Players Coalition. <laughs> Uh, which was created by Anquan Bolden and, and Malcolm Jenkins in, in combination and working with the league. Um, and we, I was really impressed by their approach and what they want to do. We're going to work with them. Um, and I was blown away listening to them yesterday, but you know, they got a great approach to the structural changes to a variety of problems that plague the black community, including criminal justice reform, police and community relations. Um, and we're really looking forward to drawing upon their expertise and guidance on these critical issues. They're going to work with us, and we're going to work with them. And I encourage the entire league to reach out and 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 use and use them because they're they're outstanding and they stand for the right things. I mean, I listened to Anquan Bolden talk and his group of experts, and was blown away by the work they had put in and the things that they're doing. You know, change will not be easy, and it's going to take. It's going to take all of us, and it's going to take um, all of us working together to create this change, and it's not going to happen overnight. It's going to take us, you know, the power to vote, you know, to really dig in on the issues and to know who we're voting for and do they stand for the right things. Do they stand for the right things? Um, like, I, I mean, there's things brought up that I had no idea. I mean, I just felt stupid for not having – for having um, – not having an idea about what was going on. We've got uh, two more. Uh, Jim Ayala. Hey, Chris. I was just, yeah, I mean, I was just wondering about as the NFL now. I mean, they, there's clearly a lack of minority coaches, minority executives in the NFL right now. That's obviously something that I think can, would help with the, with the problem. I was wondering, is there something, is there things that you think the NFL can do and, and the Colts specifically can do to address, to address that issue? Well, look, let me say this. Jim Irsay, Jim Irsay is outstanding. He, he stands for all the right things, too. Um, and look, I think we got to continue um, to put people in position to succeed. Um, Jim Irsay has a great history. Um, and he didn't hire these men because they were, because they were African-American and black. He hired them because they were great coaches, great leaders. 
Tony Dungy. I mean, this guy's in the Hall of Fame. Freaking kidding me? Um, Jim Caldwell. I mean, these guys are great coaches. So I think we continue to to develop, and we've got some young coaches on our staff that I think are really good to can develop. But there's no doubt we need to do more as a league. We need to continue to develop um, and 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 get guys in position where they can succeed. Last one here is uh, Bob Kravitz. Got to unmute, Bob. All right. Sorry about that. Uh, you mentioned that in 2017, you did not completely understand the whole Kaepernick thing. If your players were to kneel this coming year, would you look upon that any differently than you might have previously? Or what would your general view of that be? Whatever, whatever our team ends up doing, um, we're going to support. But we're going to do it together as a team. That's what we're going to do. We're going to support them. And we're going to do it together as a team. We've said that all along. So whatever we decide to do, we're going to do it as a team. Um, that that's the that's the beauty of that locker room. We're going to do it as a team. I understand, you know, why people took a knee. I don't like completely understand it the first time, but damn right I do now. Okay, and that's Chris Ballard in the, the press conference earlier this week regarding uh, social injustice, and we've been talking about this uh, throughout the entire show. Thank you to IndianapolisColts.com. Certainly go and, and read more about this story and, and learn more about the Colts and how they, they, they're, they're approaching this, and certainly the, the Colts season. Go to, to uh, Colts.com and uh, go to their website. And But um, – I just thought that was a very powerful message from Chris Ballard of the Indianapolis Colts, uh, uh, general manager and president of football operations, uh, second in command, if you will, uh, at the Indianapolis Colts to take the lead, to take the the charge. And, and, and it kind of, you know, the thing is that there needs to be the dialogue of understanding. And, and you know, here, here's the thing. And, and, it's, I, I feel like that we we should understand social injustice. It happens, and it, but it shouldn't happen. But at the same time, let's use the last part of that injustice, and let's just take a talk about justice. And I felt like justice is being done um, by three people in jail for murder, equally charged. I believe it's first degree, might be second degree murder, but for murder. And th those those are life changing events. They're no longer police officers. So if they thought they were above the law, they're not. And so I get, hey, we we don't uh, want this to happen. So we want to bring awareness, and we want to have protest, and we want to. But there's a couple things going on here, people, uh, that I that I'm looking at. We could have all kinds of mass protests. But we can't have fans in the stands. So, I mean, I, I feel like if one – on one hand, if if we're right in not having fans in the stands, well, this, this protesting could uh, relapse the COVID-19. We could have this problem even longer and more. There's the, that to think about. But the other part of it is if you want to 
gather and, and protest and, and uh, do it peacefully. Do it peacefully. Whether or not that you're angry doesn't give you the right to act on that anger. Whether or not that you, you, you agree or disagree doesn't give you the right to take lives and destroy property. That's not your right. That's not what's in the, the, the Constitution of the United States. First Amendment is your right to free speech, okay? So you can do that various different ways. Write a blog or uh, share on your Facebook or you know, carry a sign or wear a T-shirt or wear a hat, whatever. You know, just, there's just so much anger that's built up. And we look at just how people react just because they see a Make America Great hat. It's a hat. They are exercising their First Amendment rights, but then the violence that comes upon them because of some perceived idea of something, an anger. There, there, there has to come a, a time for accountability across the board. And yes, we, the, Frank Ballard said, you know, it, 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 maybe we, we've not taken this Black Lives Matters as seriously as we maybe should have, but there's still – no explanation or rhyme or reason to do mass destruction of property, to kill people, to be violent. And I think everybody's universal in saying this, that they, they don't support this. And as Mo, as Mo said, the, the message gets lost. And, and, and you know, and here's the thing. I, I don't rarely go political, but today we kind of did. Um, but, you know, Trump was right in saying these Antifa group are terrorists. They're the ones that are charging all of the, the, the uh, violence and everything that's going on right now. They're the ones behind all of that, and they're the ones that are inciting it, if you will. And so, yeah, very much so when, when you decide that you're just going to go up uh, to, to somebody and hit them in the head with a rock because they're wearing a hat. Or you're gonna you're gonna go up and hit somebody in the head, or or catch something on fire, or break into a business and loot the business and steal their steal stuff that doesn't belong to you. Or, or you catch cars on fire, or you 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 extend violence against police officers, even though that police officer had nothing to do with the crime that happened in Minneapolis, and it's. It's a, it's a sad time in our history, and it'll it'll go down in history for a long time. And our kids, our grandkids, our great grandkids will hear about this. Well, we'll talk about this in their classrooms. But I hope that when when that happens, and history starts to tell the story, they also see how we're strong as, as Americans, and we come across on the other end in a better way. And in a more peaceful way to handle things, and uh, certainly by all accounts, the George Floyd video was disturbing in in so many ways, in so many ways. But the minute you decide to take your First Amendment right and do damage or harm to somebody else, 
You then become part of the problem, and you then become a terrorist. My name is Tom Marquisel, Presidente. Thanks for joining us uh, for this little bit of a uh, off the the uh, uh, loop uh, of, of the show. Matthew Embry, WSBT in South Bend, and Mo from the BS Sports Show. Greatly uh, appreciate you joining us. Thanks to the Indianapolis Colts dot com uh, for the uh, Chris Ballard uh, uh, press. Uh, conference and chris i appreciate you uh, putting your, your words and your thoughts out there for all of us to hear and certainly go to the colts.com to hear that and it's also on their youtube channel i believe uh, download us on all of your your uh, popular uh, uh uh podcast versions my name is tom marquis el presidente i'm out of here don't drink a drive it isn't cool have a great weekend Join us next week for The Balance. In the meantime, check us out on Twitter, T-Balance, or Facebook, The Balance, or online at www.thebalanceonline.com.